NASCAR truck racing is bigger than ever, and 21-year-old Tyler Ankrum is fast becoming one of the biggest names in the sport. We'll talk with the man who drives the number 16 Lyuna-sponsored truck on this episode of The Laborer. Welcome to another episode of The Laborer. My name is Kurt Fornas, Tim Roseberry is producing, and we have a very special guest today for the podcast. He was the 2018 NASCAR K&N Pro Series East Champion, and he was the 2019 NASCAR Gardner Outdoors Truck Series Rookie of the Year. In three full years of racing in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, he has one win and 24 top 10 finishes. Now in his fourth full-time season, he's driving the number 16 truck for Hattori Racing, and he's sponsored by the Laborers International Union of North America, LIUNA. That's right, boys. He's one of ours. And he just turned 21 years old one week ago. We welcome Woo! Tyler Ankrum to the labor. <laughs> Hi, Tyler. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for uh, being with us. Wow. Congratulations. 21 years old. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's been a hard couple weeks, or a hard week, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> and just in time for, uh, for St. Patrick's Day, too. I'm sure nobody's mentioned that yet. Yeah. Right? Oh crap! Is, it, is that this week or is that next week? It's the seventeenth. Seventeenth. Oh, perfect. <laughs> right around the corner. Yeah, here in Illinois, we've just dyed the river screen, so just <laughs> a reminder of that. What, uh, you know, I, I want to get into uh, some racing here just off the bat. Uh, so you've had two races so far this year. By the way, did I get your bio right? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, you did actually. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Just turning twenty-one years old. Uh, so you've had two races so far this year and, uh, had a week off and you're coming up on, where's your next race? Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta. And then in Texas after that, correct? Yeah. We're going to Austin to race that circuit of the Americas. All right. That sounds fun. We'll probably see you there. Uh, yeah. So what, uh, what's, uh, how's it going so far? This is, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty early in the season, but you've had your first two races. You get them under your, under your feet, so to speak, get a week off, sit back and assess. And um, what do you do from here? Is it, is it, you, you made some adjustments? You like where you're heading? Oh, you know, I think, you know, especially with being a new team, a new season, uh, with COVID for the past two years, we've had no practice or qualifying. And so, I mean, Las Vegas this past week was the first the first time in two years where I've been on a mile and a half and we had to qualify and you had a you had no choice but to, you know, hold it wide open for two laps and haul it off in a corner going hundred and ninety miles an hour. It's the first time in years in which I've done that. And you'd be amazed of, you know, how much time goes by and when you realize like, oh crap we're getting ready, really getting ready to go do this. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's just been, you know, there's a lot of things that factor into it. And you know what, really, honestly, even with an off week, you know, for me, I'm very much the personality of, I can never stop. I actually, I, you know, people love off seasons. I can't stand off seasons because, you know, in a, in a professional career, you just get so disciplined to, you know, what you got to do day in, day out, working on race trucks, going to the gym, watching film, getting in the simulators and, you know, putting the work and time in the second when, you know, everybody wants to kind of slow down, not necessarily stop. And you don't want to stop. 
uh, that can be kind of frustrating. And so for me, I, the way I just try to treat every single week as worth, it's still going to the next race, whether we have a week off or whether we have three weeks off, all, all that does for you is give you more time, which is awesome because typically, you know, if we have a back to back week, you know, we're going to be right now, we're going to be racing Atlanta and then next week we're going to be racing in Texas. So you have, you have a very short turnaround. In fact, you really only realistically have about four, three to four days to get ready for the next race. And that's, you know, watching a film, being in the simulator. And when you have these weeks off or this just this one week off, you essentially have about 10 days to get ready for the next race. And you can accomplish a lot in 10 days to, you know, prepare yourself as, as humanly as possible to try and go out and win. It, it, it's, it sounds like, you know, like anything else, when you're at the top of your game, you're, you're a professional, somebody, you, you know, you don't just go jump in your car and drive, a, drive in circles. There's a lot that goes into it. And if you take a, a minute off, you lose just that little bit of sharpness which is probably that little bit that's going to, you know, that's the difference between first place and 20th place, or maybe <laughs> the difference between being a professional and just some guy who drives fast, right? Exactly. You're a hundred percent right. The, the way I like to think about it is, you know, when it, especially when it just comes to work ethic is I'm going to do what no one else is willing to do. When somebody is going to ask me to do something, I'm not going to say no, I'm going to follow through with it. Um, because if I'm doing something that nobody else is doing, well, maybe, uh, maybe I can, you know, get funding from a manufacturer. Maybe I can land a new partner. Maybe I can get more opportunities to get more race cars, to go get more experience and become better for my professional series. Just all of those things go into it. And I mean, just like you said, if, if you're not doing it yourself, somebody else is. Mm-hmm. And they're gaining that advantage. They're gaining that edge. Um, and it's very, very true for, you know, stock car racing or just racing in general. The fields are getting younger and younger age-wise, and the competition's getting tougher and tougher. I mean, when I got in the truck series, if you had really, really good equipment in 2019, you could be, you know, a 10th place contender automatically. Now, I mean, three, three and a half years later, the top 20 are competitive. The top 20 can win. And for you to run top 10 or even just run up front, I mean, it's really showing you that you belong. Um, the, the dominance of the series of what you used to see, even as little as, you know, four years ago, five years ago, it's going away. And you especially see that now with the new cup car. And that's going to be, that's going to be the, you know, the direction well, probably NASCAR is going to end up going with, you know, all these series of changing the business models and getting more teams, more drivers, more opportunity within the sport. And that just means more competition. So you got to be ahead of all these guys in order to make it. Yeah, it kind of makes it more fun too, though, right? <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. I would all day long, I would much rather run second i'd much rather run second for 40 races knowing that i'm racing against the best instead of running 40 races winning all of them knowing that you know i'm better than the rest of them or i have better equipment than the rest of them um i love competition i love the fierceness of it that that kind of brings me around to 
there's a few different directions I want to go here. Uh, you know, just briefly that that work ethic seems to really work hand in hand with with Lyuna, your sponsor. You know, I mean, that's that work ethic of always driving every single day. What what can I do to improve myself or make everything better every single day? And that's a that's very much a work ethic that we espouse with Lyuna. Um, that's uh, it's again, it's it seems like a perfect partnership as far as that goes. Um, you know, in in terms of your competition, you know, we we sit here, we we old people sit and we say, "Wow, you're 21 years old. You're only 21 years old, but you've been doing this, you know, for since when did you first start racing?" I saw I saw in your bio that you wanted to be a bull rider until your mom put the kibosh on that. I can't imagine why. Um, <laughs> But then you, and I kind of get the impression you like adrenaline a bit, Tyler. Um, so I do. You, how do you, you started with the with the go karts? I imagine, and, and and went on from there. About what age did you start doing that? And and it seems that you dominated that for a, <laughs> quite a while too. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I started. I, I started my very first race. Actually, was on my ninth birthday. And so about every seven years, a race falls on my birthday and I kind of, I get to have this anniversary, if you will, of, you know, racing on my birthday every, you know, seven or so years. And so I, you know, you're 100% right. I, all my heroes growing up were cowboys. I, I grew up on a ranch. My, my dad, my grandpa, they were ropers and they'd go to rodeos all the time. And, uh, I just, I wanted to be a cowboy and. When mom said no to that, pick something different. Uh, my dad golfed in high school, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll try this golf thing. And golf was boring. I, you know, would get. I got pretty good at it. I got pretty good at it, and you, you know what? Uh, I thought I was having fun, but after nine holes, I was like, what am I doing out here? I gotta be doing something way more productive than this. And so, yeah, golf cart doesn't uh, go real fast, does it? Yeah, the golf cart doesn't go fast enough. I mean, the bunkers, you can't even really jump them out of the bunkers. And you definitely can't drive them into, into the ponds or in the lake. That's, you know, that's a lot of money you're going to spend driving that thing off in the lake. Right. And so I, the story goes, I don't remember it, but the story goes, uh, my dad raced quarter midgets as a kid, and it's a quarter size of a sprint car, and they race them on dirt and pavement, and I was like Seven, I think I was maybe eight years old, and I was sitting on grandmother's lap, flipping through old family photos, and I saw my dad driving one. And I said, I think as every seven, eight year old would, is, "Hey, I want one. I want to do that." And everyone kind of just laughed at me and said, "Ha ha ha! Sure, yeah, we'll get you one." And they never did, but I asked every day for two years, "When are we going to go racing? When are we going to go racing?" And then I think it was Christmas time. Um, I, my dad got me my very first quarter midget, and me and my dad went racing. And it just grabbed you right then, huh? It grabbed <laughs> me right then. It's, it's like a drug. It's like an addiction. Um, you get it in your blood. You never. You can never get it back out. And 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 so you've. This is your first year with with the Hatari racing team. Is that correct? Hatari, yes, yes. Hatari, I'm sorry. And then. So I was reading a little, and I apologize. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not very extremely steeped in the uh, history of of trucking of a uh, camp world camper world truck NASCAR racing here. Okay, but uh, as I understand it, the uh, number sixteen car for the, this team is 
kind of big shoes to fill here. Yeah, and, you know, the 16 team, they, uh, Tory Racing in general is an amazing organization. They're a very small organization. Uh, they just went from a single truck team to a two truck team. And, you know, they won the Camping World Truck Series Championship with Brett Moffitt in 2018, if I remember correctly. And they've had Austin Dillon, or not Austin Dillon, Austin Hill driving it for the past three, 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 four years. And I mean, he's won a lot of races in this truck. And I was really honestly, the thing that for me, when the opportunity arose to, you know, leave my old team, GMS and come to HRE was the amount of times I've had my blown, my doors blown off by the 16 truck. And I'm just thinking to myself, dang, I wish I could be in that truck right now. <laughs> yeah. And so when this opportunity arose, I, I knew it would be, you know, a challenge to overcome, but you know what? I've uh, been working super close with uh, my crew chief, Scott Zipidelli, and my new spotter, uh, Eddie DeHaunt, and, and as well as Toyota. I drove for Toyota in 2019 with DGR and, and left, went to Chevy, and now I'm back. Uh, I, I I want to come back. So they, they you know, gladly they, you know, they brought me back into the fold, and it's been you know, an awesome past two months. I and mean, we had some bad luck at Daytona, but we were really fast in a good position to win. Uh, wrecked, come to the white. In uh, Vegas, we had a, a flat left retire, which warranted a 16th place finish. So, I mean, we're going to keep on working really hard, but uh, this team, they work super hard. They work really hard around me. And uh, every day, you just got to keep on plugging away. Yeah, just quickly or briefly, what can you tell me about the truck? The difference between, you know, the truck you're driving now as opposed to what you were driving last year or two years ago. Uh, some tweaks or some changes you've made for it. I, from a fan's standpoint, I can tell you it looks awesome. I really like that orange Laguna that goes across it. But yeah, or, yeah. Tim, Tim, the producer says, how does it compare to a Silverado? It's faster. I know that. <laughs> but yeah, that is hundred percent true. What's that? <laughs> oh, it's 100% true. I mean, really, honestly, the biggest difference between, you know, even, I mean, all across the board, the Chevys, the Fords, and the Toyotas is aerodynamics. Every single one of these trucks has a different nose and a different tail. And even though NASCAR, quote unquote, by the rule book, quote unquote, uh, keeps all the noses, the aerodynamics of the truck, they're all within a certain tolerance. So we're all pretty close. But every nose does something different. You know, they talk a lot about it in the Cup Series and how uh, the Toyotas, they have a lot, almost like a lot of fins, a lot, a lot of uh, attitude to the nose, providing down, you know, a lot of front downforce. Uh, and then obviously we all have the same spoilers. And so we all kind of have the same, you know, noses, same spoilers, same heights. Uh, but it's really the noses. And they top up the floors, they're shaped like a bullet. Uh, the noses are and the Chevys they're shaped like an arrowhead or like a diamond in the Toyotas they just got like a lot of attitude to their noses and with all the different you know configurations of the nose and it's the same thing with the you know the new Toyota nose that we have a lot of attitude we have a lot of shape to the nose uh, the Fords and the Chevys they're up they're round they're flat um, and I don't really know their, their Chevy or Ford numbers but I could tell you with you know, what they're doing this year, but just knowing, you know, just from the past, 
of what they do different, trying trying to provide front down force versus rear grip and that balance of that yaw shift. And that's where you're shaving your milliseconds off that you need. Again, the difference correct. between fifth place and eleventh place, probably. And correct. I, yeah, I mean that. So I would imagine that you know to to the guy driving his Silverado thirty miles an hour down the street. <laughs> the, the shape of the nose doesn't make much of a difference, but 150 miles an hour on a racetrack uh, probably makes 100%. a lot of difference, right? You know, what, you know what's amazing? And, and people, it amazes me that people don't know this. Next time you guys are driving down the highway, I don't know if you already have done this, or the people are listening. No next promise. time you guys go down the highway, next time you go down the highway, find a semi-truck, Go. you got to be going at least like 60, 65. Get in behind the semi-truck and match his speed and bump it in neutral, and you'll feel the draft off the semi-truck, and you'll feel the car bounce in between. Like, you can completely let go of the steering wheel, and you'll stay directly in behind that semi-truck because wow. aerodynamically, it's just it's, it's sucking that car up because your car has no wind resistance, and that wind is like a barrier. So you're bouncing in between, actually kind of in between the semi-truck when you're behind it. Careful, you'll suck up all the way to its back bumper, which you don't want. But if you guys want to have a little bit of fun and you want to practice fuel mileage saving, try that. And then, uh, and then you get what's called, I believe, the slingshot effect. If I decide to whip over to the left, <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> yeah, yeah, you actually you will. All right, hey, uh, I just want to get into a few other items here, just to just to kind of get to know Talanker items. If that's all right with you. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, just in your bio, you were born in California, lived there until you were a teenager, and moved to North Carolina. Twelve, thirteen years. Uh -huh. Yep. Uh, and then your parents. What, what can you tell me? I mean, I, obviously, they've supported you and encouraged you on your on your racing journey, at least. Anyway, but sounds like you gotta have awfully supportive parents. This this is this is this is a it's, yeah yeah. This is hard on parents too. In, not only it financially, but mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, when, when they say when you get into racing, you know, it just can't be a one-man show. It takes it takes your friends. It takes your family. It takes everybody. It takes everybody's support. And, you know, with my friends, with my family, you know, it's not really, it's not even just my parents, my grandparents, my aunts, uncles, cousins, uh, everybody's in on it with me and standing beside me and you know working hard you know everybody's working hard to you know make this dream come true and and that's kind of like going back to the conversation earlier of you know kind of working hard and having that work ethic you know it's, it's one of the reasons why you, you cannot work is because there's all these other people you know helping you working for you to help you achieve your goal and your dream and they're not the ones that get up on tv and sign autographs and you know go on driver intro stage you are and so you, you know in in my mind at, at least i have this obligation to you know to work you know as much as i do to you know not only make sure this dream is achieved for myself but as well as for, for them because you know they've, they've adopted the same dream for me just not for myself and so when you, you get into this endeavor it, it's you are correct. It's a, it's a very large investment, not only just financially. It's also an emotional investment as well. When I was twelve years old, and 
living in Southern California, I was, you know, getting out of the core midgets and I was getting ready to get into, you know, midgets. I had been racing midgets for about a year and I was getting ready to do some dirt midget racing. And I got an opportunity to go drive for David Gilland and a late model. And it's just kind of like, it's that we use this analogy. You want to be an actor, you go to Hollywood. You want to be a country star, you go to Nashville. Uh, if you want to be a rock star, you go to Chicago, you go to New York. It's the same thing for racing. You want to become, you know, world famous, you know, stock car racing driver. You go to Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's what we did. And, and my dad ran, runs a business and he couldn't leave California. And I have a sister and she didn't want to leave her school. And I wanted to say, peace out y'all. I'm going racing. And, but I was only 12 years old. So I couldn't do that. And so my mom said, okay, I'll pack up with you and we'll go. And so it's been me and my mom living out here together for as long as I can remember. And my dad comes out to every race and uh, my sister's living out here now. And so is my grandfather, but we, you know, we've, we've planted our roots out here, but you know, for a really long time, me and my mom were in and out of apartments. I was in and out of different schools and we were just going around the countryside racing with, you know, a race team and we were having a lot of fun doing it. And so, you know, ultimately, ultimately if my mom, was selfish and said, you know what, I don't want to go, all my girlfriends, my mom's here, my grandparents are here, I don't want to go racing in North Carolina, she could have easily said that, and we wouldn't have been here, and said, she said, you know what, you want this, well, I want this too, and we went racing, and my dad and my sister stayed on the, on the west coast, and she came out here with me, taking care of my grumpy little rear end, and so, I mean, here we are now, I'm 21 years old, and it's it's been a journey going on what you said it, it's it's a level of commitment from a lot of people not just you and it, it commitment's the key thing it's it, it really does take a village and it takes a team and that's what that's that's what a union's all about right i mean it's a team yeah, everybody working it's everybody you know you're you're 21 years old you have the friends you have who are 2021 20, and you may not have a lot of friends who are who are your age who who are not in racing I, I but but if they're looking for work what would you tell them about Wyoming? but what would you tell them about the opportunities that that are there i think here's the crazy thing with Wyoming, in my opinion i i never knew uh say i never knew you know a laborer i never knew a, a union you know man or woman growing up until i met john preciato and I, I never really had an opinion about, you know, the labor union or anything like that. And the benefits a company such as Lyuna uh, provides and just a constant availability of work and opportunity. I've met a lot of people in the past you know, two and a half years that we, I have been a partner with Lyuna and that have been tell, that have told me life changing stories about Lyuna and how, I met this one guy in West Virginia. He was telling me that he was living in a van with, you know, his family and two kids. And he heard about this thing, Lyuna. And he went and, you know, went to the to uh, training school down there in West Virginia and got a job mixing concrete and building bridges. And now he's got this pension. He's got this retirement. And he, it just, he, it completely changed his life for the better. And, you hear stories like that, which you very rarely hear anymore. And, you know, Lyuna provided this service, this opportunity 
to change this guy's life and because he was struggling and, and thanks to Lyuna, he, he no longer was. He was living a happy, healthy and you know financially secure life and that's what I tell anybody, uh, especially here in the South with Lyuna being or not in North Carolina being such a right to work state. Man, it makes too much sense to get into a union. Why? Why are you being? Uh, why are you being subcontract? Why are you? You know, why? Why? Why are you subletting yourself? It's just it makes too much sense to join Lyuna and join this awesome organization. And so, whenever anybody asks me about Lyuna, that's what I tell them. I tell them that if you have the opportunity, you need to go check it out. We're talking with uh, Tyler Ankrum here on our labor podcast, and we are talking about Lyuna. Uh, you know, Tyler, just going back on what you said, you, I've heard you say a number of times that Lyuna changed your life. Uh, I can imagine, you know, <laughs> having a major sponsor for a racing team, um, and it seems that you, you understand that Lyuna can change other people's lives too. You went, you went through the training program uh, briefly there in West. I Virginia. did, yeah. Uh, what, what was that like for you? Oh, actually that was an awesome experience for me because I just got to see what, what, you know, goes into the training and I, I've never personally myself gone through any sort of, you know, hands-on training like that. You know, the training that we do in the racing world is very much different. It's, it's, it's nothing like any sort of workplace that you've ever been to. And so when I went there, it, it was it was crazy to see not only that, you know, the scale of the training programs, but the, how nice they were. I mean, it was, I felt like I was going on to a, you know, like a college campus. They had, they had living, they had facilities for training. They had all this equipment. Um, luckily quite a few of the things I knew how to use because I grew up on a ranch and live on a ranch still. So like I they had this brand new Bobcat uh, skid steer out there and, Thankfully, I already knew how to drive it, and I didn't make myself look like a dummy, but that, it was so much fun going out there and, you know, seeing all, actually, a lot of the new guys who were all very young going through the programs got to uh, train with some of them on, you know, how to properly, you know, dispose of, um, oh, man, of course, now I forget when I'm it's talking best about best. it, but... <laughs> You did a asbestos. Uh, that's right. Yeah, asbestos. Yeah, to properly disposing of that, and uh, that was a ton of fun. And there was just a lot of things. There's a lot of people um, that I've very interesting guys that I have met um, through Lyuna, um, especially through that shrimp training program. And I mean, you're 100 percent right. I mean, if it weren't for Lyuna right now, I would not be in a race car. Um, as most people know, it. You know, it takes it takes a big financial commitment to drive race cars, and uh, even though I come from a family background that you know my, my father and my mother did very well for themselves, uh, they couldn't afford this. <laughs> and so, uh, I truly owe the past couple of years to Lyuna and all the laborers behind them. Well, we sure appreciate uh, we sure appreciate you racing for us, Tyler. I mean, that's this seems like a good uh, a good arrangement here. And you know what, when you're when you're driving on some of those tracks, now that you know what all goes into the training, it probably makes you feel pretty good to know that the, that the Lyuna members built some of those, so they're nice and safe too, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's actually the awesome thing. That's one of my favorite reasons why, you know, there, there a lot of Lyuna people have been coming to the racetracks, and uh, I've met a couple guys like, hey, you know, when we, when we did this, when the grandstands used to be this, we did that. 
or uh, hey those suites we built those uh, mm-hmm. we built these grandstands we built we built uh we built you know we paved the racetrack we we tore this down and, and erected this and so it's always really fun to hear and see those guys because not only you know are that you do, do you see the pride that they have in the race truck and having Lyuna on the hood but you can see that the pride that they have in that racetrack it's a little it's a little different from having like a tie to be your host or your sponsor you know hey we washed your socks which is, a, is nice but not as cool as hey we built this racetrack right yeah I don't know. That's, a, that's actually one of the amazing things and why i love Lyuna as a partner is that it's not you're not promoting a brand like hey you know m&ms are awesome i love eating m&ms or i always thought the very the very awkward uh conversations were you know when one of your partners will walk up to you hey man did you see our new product line and you don't want to lie right? <laughs> you don't you don't want to be like oh yeah i totally saw that and then they ask you well, what do you think of it and you had no idea what they were talking about uh, but she didn't also didn't, he also didn't want them to make seal bags. Then you're like, well, why haven't I seen the new product line? I need to, I need to know what this is about. Right. And that's why I love going to the racetrack and seeing the Wyoming members and the laborers and, and the union men and women is that it's there. It's not necessarily Brown, but it's a people. It's an, it's not just an organization. It's a brotherhood of that people have, that have come together. They work together day in day out and it's a lot like the racing series i mean everybody says and i 100 percent believe that racing is a big giant family uh, especially when you work with a group of guys all year long and you all got to get along you have to you know be comfortable with sometimes sleeping in the the same hotel as one another it's the same thing a lot of these guys have known each other forever and i think it's even more awesome when you hear that uh, I met this guy one time and I asked him how he got in the line. And he goes, well, my grandpa, and my dad were members and I just, I followed with them. I think that's so awesome to hear because, you know, it just proves that what awesome organization line is, is they're multi-generational. They're, they're such a good organization. It started off with their grandparents and now it's gone to the grandkids or the great grandkids. And so that's just why I love Lyona so much. That's fantastic. You, you're a great salesman for us, Tyler. Thank you. That's fantastic. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. You know, I, I, we could not agree with you more. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going to just real quick to wrap up uh, goals for this season, goals for the next couple of years. What are your, what are your short-term goals? I assume, you know, win championships and make millions and things like that. Oh, hundred uh, percent. Obviously, you know, we all we all want to win, right? We, I want to win for Lyuna. I want to win for Toyota. I also want to win for my friends, my family, as well as myself. But you know, the goals are the goals are, are hard to write down, right? You have those short short term goals, and you have those long term goals. And uh, for for me personally, the goal for myself is just to be better than myself that was yesterday. Uh, beat the Tyler that was living yesterday and be better today than I was yesterday. And you live that way every single day. You see results. Uh, I know, I know I've seen that for myself and, and, and working harder, going to the gym, lifting more weights, looking at studying at film more effectively, more efficiently, uh, and more intelligently. 
and also talking to you guys. You guys, um, I love doing this. I, I love coming on podcasts and talking to you guys and and having a conversation. And so, my my ultimate goal is just to not let anybody down. Um, I'm here to I'm here to stay. I'm here to stay in the trenches and take grenades and and seal the deal when it comes time. That's that's awesome. You know, Tyler. Uh, tell you what, it's been an honor to talk to you. It's been great. Uh, we wish you luck and everything moving forward. Hopefully, we see you in a couple of weeks. And uh, I hope this relationship goes for a long time. Yeah, thank you. I, trust me, I do too. Trust me, I do too. I <laughs> we'll do all too. Be very happy. <laughs> and hey, don't get too crazy on St. Patrick's Day. And we'll discuss uh, your peanut butter choices on our next episode. How's that sound? That sounds perfect, as as well as the orange juice and no pulp. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The scrubbing bubbles, they're good for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Tyler, and uh, we hopefully talk to you soon. A special thanks to Tyler Ankrum for being our guest, and thank you for listening to this edition of The Laborer, a podcast produced by Lyuna Midwest Region.